From Miami Law, I'm Annette Uges, and this is The Explainer. So the industry is actually a self-policing um, institution where there's an organization. A lot of people don't know what it is. It's called FINRA, the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority, that is responsible for the direct day-to-day governing of people that sell you investments. The problem with FINRA is that it's an organization of its members. So uh, JP Morgan, Wells Fargo, and USB are all the people who are actually funding FINRA. Welcome back to Season 10 of the Miami Law Explainer, the legal affairs podcast where Miami law experts lend context and historical relevance to today's headlines. Pro bono investor rights clinics are the only hope for small investors who have been defrauded. On today's show, Miami law investor rights director Scott Eichhorn takes a look at the industry and the people he serves. Let's go to executive producer Catherine Skip with the interview. Morning, Scott. Thanks so much for coming in. Thank you for hosting me, Catherine. <laughs> Anytime. Uh, let's start by, um, I wanted to ask you what role your clinic plays in the larger scheme of investing. So in the larger scheme of investing, we have a lot of professionals that are uh, people who give advice to uh, people who want to invest their money in the market. And sometimes those people don't have their best interests in mind. Uh, but they do have some interests in mind that have to do with the commissions they earned when they sell certain types of investments or recommend certain types of strategies. So where we come into play is with representing people who have been harmed by uh, what we would consider the misconduct of uh, investment professionals. All right. Like churning, for instance. Churning would be the excessive trading of an account in order to generate commissions versus the interest of the investor. And so that's I would like to focus on the the what is the interest of the investor in uh, the circumstances that we are considering and in the cases that we handle at the clinic because a lot of times there's a conflict of interest in what the investor wants and what the broker or broker dealer, is most attuned to. Right. Got it. Um, can I ask you about the fiduciary rule? Didn't Obama want to pass a fiduciary rule that you would have to act on the best interests of your client? And I think the next president like put an ax into that. That's absolutely right, Catherine. There, so there was a fiduciary rule that was passed during the Obama administration for retirement accounts only. So this would be for people, if you have an IRA or if you have a 401k, it would only apply in that circumstance because it was a Department of Labor rule. And it was in many ways a very good rule and a good standard to set. Uh, But in the end, it was overturned by the uh, Fifth Circuit Supreme, uh, not not the Supreme Court, the Fifth Circuit. Mm And the Supreme Court declined to hear the case. So it became law that the at least Department of Labor fiduciary rule would not actually become effective. 
Okay. And would that, if that rule was effective, would that change the number of people looking for help at clinics like yours? Or is that outside the parameter of, of what you usually see? It, it might change because there would be a higher standard that um, the people who are recommending investments or recommending investment strategies mm -hmm. to individuals uh, that w they would be held to. And we're back to what we call the suitability standard, mm -hmm. which is a, a much lower standard than a fiduciary duty. The fiduciary duty is one that would have created an obligation on the part of financial advisors to act in the best interest of their clients. And we currently don't have that rule, although there's been regulation best interest by the SEC, which has... Uh, raised the level of the obligation for uh, all investors, but it hasn't raised it to the level of a fiduciary duty. So I don't think that we'd be seeing necessarily more claims. We might be prevailing on more of our claims, though. Got it. Got it. Um, so who are the people that that your clinic serve? Like, what's is there a typical profile? Are there ones on the margins that are really interesting or kind of what's that about? So all of our clients are going to be investors who can't otherwise find representation. And what we mean when we say can't find representation will be for cases like the ones we deal with. If a person has lost $25,000, could be very important to them. Uh, that's not a case where they can find an attorney who might come to represent them on a contingency basis. Mm -hmm. So we're dealing with people who, number one, have small claims, and number two, can't otherwise afford an attorney. So we're filling a gap of under or completely no representation in the investing public. And the typical client that we have, the person who fits those measurements, uh, are usually going to be a retiree, somebody that has saved money their entire life. They have enough money to invest but they're depending on that money. Mm -hmm. They depend on that money to uh, pay their expenses. They are vulnerable uh, to investment scams. And they will uh, qualify for representation by the clinic because of the relatively low value of the claim and the relatively low income that they have. So that's kind of where most of of, of that's where most of our clients reside. Right. Now, you all have the clinic historically has managed to recover some crazy amount of money for your clients. Do you, I don't remember the number. We're, we're at about a, a one and a half million right now. And those are all really small claims. Those are all the kinds of people that I just mentioned mm -hmm. that maybe they lost $10,000, $20,000, couldn't find representation anywhere else. And came to us and were able to find that access to representation and have their claims heard and, in most cases, have their claims settled for at least most of what they lost on, on, in their investments. And you're a pro bono clinic, so all the money that is awarded goes to the client. That's correct. You recently, didn't you recently have a client that actually gave money to you all because she was so grateful for the work that you all did? We did. We we had a client uh, who uh, was 
in sore need of representation and had been defrauded by her neighbor of 20 years, a person who lived next door to her in a farming community. Mm -hmm. And she trusted and sold her what basically amounted to a fraudulent investment, one that had no value at all and Mm -hmm. had lost what to her was a good part of her life savings. Mm -hmm. And through the clinic and uh, our representation of this client, she was able to recover at least half of the amount that she had lost, Mm -hmm. which was a godsend to her. Um, it 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 was really important and it was really unexpected that we were able to recover that much. And she did express her appreciation uh, through uh, a, a small gift to the clinic, which we would never ask for. Mm-hmm. But some of our clients feel compelled to uh, show their appreciation for the excellent work that our our students do in this area, uh, which is completely free to the clients and uh, changes their lives in a lot of ways. I hope she didn't invest that money again. <laughs> she, or, or if she did, it was with the fiduciary. Um, so how did these kinds of clinics start? The origin of these kinds of clinics dates back to the 1990s. In the 1990s, there was a commissioner of the Securities and Exchange Commission, and he thought it would be a good idea to set aside some of the money that the SEC and other organizations get from fines they levy against financial institutions for investor education and investor representation. And the first clinic was started at Pace University, and that was in the 90s. And since then, they have expanded somewhat due to the investment of the FINRA Investor Education Foundation. Uh, and that's the actual, that's the, the seed money that started the clinic at the University of Miami. So they have grown. Most of them are still in New York. Uh, most of them, for example, were the only clinic that does this kind of work in the entire Southeast United States. The next closest one is in Washington, D.C. There was one in Atlanta, but it has since closed. So, and they closed because they could no longer get the funding. Yes. It has been a funding issue uh, where some other clinics might have dedicated funding that go to this. We have not had that mm-hmm. uh, in, the, in the securities arbitration clinics uh, to date, although there are some changes on the horizon that we could maybe talk about. Oh, and what are those? So there's a couple of bills that are pending. It's really one bill. There's one in the House and one in the Senate for uh, the SEC to be permitted to provide funding, matching funding to clinics such as the Investor Rights Clinic. And that's called the Investor Justice Act of 2021. We're a big supporter of it. Well, the 21 kind of causes me some concern that it's been sitting around already for a couple of years and it hasn't gotten through. And it's still in committee and we are still supporting it. (laughs) And I share your concerns. Yeah. So at one point there were dozens of clinics. Is that right? Like almost 40 clinics. And now it's sort of shrunk down to 19 or something? Is that because there's no need or there's no money? So there, there, there have been dozens of clinics funded 
But the problem with the funding has been that it runs out after mm-hmm. a few years. So it's seed money. And a lot of schools have decided after that seed money ran out, it was too expensive to continue operating this kind of clinic. Mm-hmm. Um, thankfully, University of Miami has continued the Investor Rights Clinic for the last uh, 11 years since its founding. Cool. Um why doesn't the industry police itself? I don't know if you're going to fall off the chair laughing, but. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's a very good question, Catherine. Uh, and so the industry is actually a self-policing um, institution where there's an organization. A lot of people don't know what it is. It's called FINRA, the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority, that is responsible for the direct day-to-day governing of people that sell you investments. The problem with FINRA is that it's an organization of its members. So uh, JP Morgan, Wells Fargo, and USB are all the people who are actually funding FINRA. Uh, Now, FINRA does uh, have an enforcement function And it also operates the arbitration forum where all of our clients file their claims against the brokerage firms uh, that have caused them them harm. So there is a self-regulatory function, and it's one that we contribute to in terms of talking about what are our clients suffering from and how can FINRA continue to accomplish its mission of protecting investors. Uh, it's it's overseen by the SEC as well. But it's a little bit the mice are guarding the cheese or no? Yes. Okay. <laughs> it's, it is is 100% that. Okay. Um, so who do these small investors have to turn to if not you? The only avenue that small investors have other than these securities clinics is to represent themselves. And representing yourself can be a huge burden. It can be a huge challenge. It can make your chances of recovery uh, very much lower than if you're represented by an attorney. And that's just a simple economic analysis of people having claims where it's an amount of money that's important to them, but they can't find an attorney to represent them. And if you don't have an attorney, even if it's arbitration, you're going to run into obstacles and you're going to find challenges and you're going to be against a broker or brokerage firm that does have an attorney representing them. And most of the time you're going to lose. What's that expression? You have a fool for a client. If you represent yourself, you have a fool for a client. Exactly. Um, so what's the fix? So there, there are some avenues that we have for more funding of these kinds of clinics. Mm-hmm. And I think it's going to become more and more important as the investing landscape changes and more people are investing their money in the market, even if they're not using a broker for their investing needs. And there's the bill that I talked about, mm-hmm. which is the Investor Justice Act that would allocate money to programs such as the one that we have at the University of Miami. And that's what we need. We need more funding for programs like this. When I talk about that, we're the only 
program like this in the entire Southeast United States. It, it would be ridiculous if I said that just about Florida, like we're the only program in Florida right. that, that has that uh, funding and, 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 and the service that we're offering. Uh, so for example, there is not a securities clinic in California. We get calls from California all the time. It's a huge uh, population that's not being served uh, by, by, by these clinics, including not only other states, but even within the state of Florida, there's, there's a lot of investor needs that are not being met. So can you put that into some sort of scale? Like you only are able to serve 5% of the people that get in touch with the clinic and that represents how many people are trying to get help and how many can you help? Yeah, I think it's an issue also of awareness and people knowing that there is this help available. Out of the people that are uh, contacting us, I would say that it's less than 10%, somewhere between 5 and 10% mm -hmm. of, of the people that we can actually help. And there's a big number of people that aren't receiving legal representation that don't even know that they have legal representation available. And that's what concerns me the most. Well, now that you've done this podcast, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, anything to add in closing? Uh, no, just just that uh, we, we, we hope to continue doing this work. Uh, it's, it's, it's an amazing experience for our clients and our students. And we need more of this kind of representation, especially as the securities market, the investing market continues to evolve and more people are getting harmed by the ways that the, uh, the securities industry makes its money. Call 1-800-GET-JUSTICE. No, you can Google us at the University of Miami Investor Rights we're, Clinic. We're always here. <laughs> Great. Well, thanks so much for coming in. Okay. Thank you, Catherine. See you around. Bye. If you enjoy our show, leave us a five-star review with your podcast provider and ask your friends to subscribe. You can always drop us a comment at explainer at miami.edu. Our show is engineered and edited by Christopher Alzadi with theme music composed by Rady Kim from the Frost School of Music. I'm your host, Annette Ugez. Today's show was brought to you by Miami Law's LLM Open House. Learn more about Miami Law's nine LLM programs Thursday, April 6th from 6 to 8 p.m. at the East Miami Hotel. For more information, visit law.miami.edu.